I'm nervous about my home here in Yellowknife. The threat is real. I saw it for myself. Very stressed. Uh, I've never been on a road trip with my son before. Yeah, it's scary. Just horrible right now what is happening to my, my homeland. Absolutely scary. We pray for everyone. A lot of very, very scared people. I'm Alex Pearson. It is great to have you here with us. So uh, you've been watching and certainly uh, keeping up with the headlines coming to us out of uh, Northwest Territories. But the clock now ticking, matter of hours, as thousands are on the evacuation deadline um, out of Yellowknife by noon today. And they have set up all these uh, f- you know, fire guards. They put water cannons um, and all these guards were put in place to protect the 20,000 you know, who live in the capital, but we've seen villages, uh, Enterprise Village, w- completely wiped out. Um, there's a whole bunch of areas that have been destroyed. They've still got about 236 fires still burning. And, you know, when we see what happened to Maui and what they're dealing with, um, no chances obviously can be taken with this, but uh, this could hit, these fires could hit by this weekend. And there is only one road out. Let us bring in Ollie Williams. He's an editor of news coverage for an outlet called Cabin News. And um, Ollie, great to have you. We tried to connect with you a couple of days ago, but uh, you yourself finding uh, yourself in the evacuation. So good of you to join us. What's it been like? Can you kind of characterize it for us over the last couple of days, what it's been like? Uh, It's been no sleep and a lot of panic for a lot of people is the simple way of characterizing that. I've managed to get about 600 kilometers away to the west there are not that many communities in the NWT, so I'm essentially at the second community on the left from Yellowknife, and that's how far away it is, uh, sitting mm. here along the banks of the Mackenzie River, just keeping up to date with everything that's happening there. As you can imagine, people are very, very stressed. The airlift goes into its second day this morning. Flights are standing by right now. They're loading them. People are getting out by road as well. We're just hearing from people now that they're just beginning that drive. They've got until noon to get out. Will they get out? I mean, uh, having just one road is a very big issue because um, if they all have to get on it, you're not going to move very fast. And so are people heeding the warnings and is there a concern that they just won't be able to get out because the infrastructure is not there? The infrastructure is barely there, but you know what? The infrastructure is holding up so far. Mm-hmm. The the one road south has been remarkably, and you know, touch wood, cross fingers, everything. The infrastructure heading south the road has remained clear enough. It has kept moving. There has been enough gas at the two gas stations worth talking about between Yellowknife and Alberta. And and people have not reported anything like the delay you might imagine by road. The airlift, though, is a little bit of a different story. They didn't get as many planes out yesterday as I think they wanted to. There are a lot of aircraft today, but now they need to get everybody back yeah. in line to get on them. I just had a phone call from the NWT government saying, can you help us get more people here? Because at the moment, there aren't enough people in line yet to get on a plane and go. That's crazy. And not to mention Air Canada getting a, a right uh, you know, wrap on the knuckles because they didn't even bother to cap fees. So they were charging these extraordinary fees for people to escape. And uh, they, they, they retreated on that. Um, is there a concern? Is just, there uh, an- is there, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, let's be clear, yeah. just to correct that, Air Canada say they did cap fees, to be fair to them. So while there have been lots of viral images circulating, saying at 4000 bucks plus uh, for a seat, uh, the situation is more complex than that. There were some mm-hmm. much, much, much cheaper tickets available, but people bought them all. So it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. I'm glad to get more uh, perspective on it. Um, in your mind, is there concern like that, that just not enough was done faster to get people out? I mean, has the federal response been strong enough? 
not just the federal response. There's a municipal yeah. government. There's a territorial yeah. government. The wildfire has been burning west of Yellowknife for weeks now. It, it is not a new fire. First of all, yeah. it caused an evacuation of another community called Bechacon, which is about 100 kilometers west of Yellowknife. And then the same fire has gradually been blown all the way back east to start threatening Yellowknife. It's about 15 kilometers away as of this morning. So the fire has been there for a very long time. And until this week, there was really no great sense of urgency from any authorities about it. And of course, there are reasons for that. You know, if the conditions don't make sure. the fire a threat, then they don't make it a threat. But we've seen things ramp up very, very quickly this week. And I think some residents do have a concern that maybe this could have been done certainly at least a day or two earlier. And that might have given people more time to get out. How much do you think what we saw happen in Maui with the fires just literally ravaging the town? How much do you think that played into their mind of, okay, we have to act now? Uh, I think that may have played a little bit into it. I also think we aired an interview with an author of a book called Fire Weather. Name is John Valiant. So this man spent seven years studying Fort McMurray wildfire, which, of course, you will remember from 2016. And that was a harrowing evacuation yeah. of some 90,000 people south from Fort McMurray. He spoke in mm -hmm. length, with, uh, length with us on Tuesday this week about that fire and how the response went and how authorities underestimated the power of it. I have heard from hundreds of people since who've said they heard that, they read that interview, they decided to go. What happens um, if if they, in fact, cannot stop this fire from hitting the capital? And what does that look like after the fact? Or is that just incomprehensible to think? Well, if they can't stop the fire from hitting the capital, then it burns, doesn't it? Uh, that yeah. that's what they're trying to avoid. They've got, they say, four lines of defense to the to the west of it. Uh, that we'll see how those hold up. Things like fire breaks don't always stop 21st century mm -hmm. wildfires, given you know what has happened to the fires that we face now through the change to the climate that we're witnessing. So we will see. I know that everyone in Yellowknife, everyone who's essential, everyone who's working on these fires has done everything they can to prepare guards against the fire west of the city. The only way we're going to find out if that was any use or not is just to sit here as evacuees yeah. hundreds of kilometers away and wait. So you're you're providing an invaluable service because ultimately you are providing media coverage um, with your newsroom cabin news, uh, even though you're on the run yourself. But one of the things we are hearing is that there has not been as much communication. And so people are turning to the news that they can get, whether it's on social media, Facebook, um, you know, Google, and they can't get information. Are you seeing that? I mean, has I mean, ultimately, it, it'll be people like you who are able to get word to the local community. So there's, there's a lot of reliance, I think, on your service. But is there a communication issue of getting news to the people? Obviously, the meta ban on news yeah. on Facebook, Instagram right now, which involves more parties than meta, let's be clear about that, but is a stupid mm -hmm. and dangerous outcome, is getting in yeah. the way. Having said that, let's be heartened by the fact that we've watched our audience go sure. the extra mile to get our coverage to their friends and loved ones and family members. Every night at the end of, you know, I mean, we're seeing hundreds of thousands of hits to our website with our live updates every sure. day. Every night we're seeing screen grab after screen grab that people are sharing because you can you can do a screen grab and they can't stop you sharing that on social channels. So they've been using those instead to like screen cap our most important information and share it with everyone who needs to see it. And that has been incredible to see. And we've had so many messages from people helping our coverage, providing information, providing updates. Yes, there are currently obstacles in place that make no sense from some of the big tech giants. And of course, there's federal legislation involved as well. There's a lot happening there. But the audience is not stupid. 
and they are finding yeah. ways around that. and in an evacuation people understand that if meta's not going to be a tool then we'll just not use that and we will find another way yeah i mean sadly it's in tragedies or or times of of uncertainty that you realize local news matters and this is why i'm such a proponent that local news has to be a thing because when it's gone you get situations like this of how important it is for people to be able to get access to information. And so it's an invaluable lesson that we are, are learning here, Ollie, and, and certainly you're a part of that. What do you guys need? What What is needed there right now? Uh, what is needed in Yellowknife right now is for everybody to get out of there, which they're actively yeah. working on in terms of the rest of the people who've already left. And let's be clear, it's not just Yellowknife. We've got yeah. eight communities under evacuation orders right now in the NWT out of a total of 33. And So how many people are I we lost... talking that they have to move? Well, uh, so the population of the territory is 45,000. Last I checked, right. we had about yeah. 29,000 of those evacuated. Okay. So you're looking at well over half the territory is currently displaced. Yeah. Uh, many of them are in Alberta and and they have a lot of needs. Of course, they need accommodation. Of yeah. course, they need food, all those sorts of things. I will say everything I've seen from Alberta right now, the, the small communities, particularly in northern Alberta, the hospitality and the support has been out of this world incredible. And yeah. I think the residents of the NWT would probably like me to say on their behalf, a huge thank you to the province of Alberta because the mm -hmm. response has been overwhelmingly supportive, and I know a lot of people feel cared for in a very stressful time, particularly Leduc, which opened an yeah. evacuation center and is giving people free accommodation in hotels as best they can. Uh, everything I've heard from Leduc near Edmonton this morning is that they are treating our evacuees exceptionally well, and we're very grateful for that. Yeah, not surprised. Alberta are very, very warm people indeed. Well, look, Ollie, I know you are uh, providing an essential service. I know that you have been absolutely swamped. I appreciate you chatting with us, and we'll certainly uh, keep watching and keep praying for you guys, uh, you know, in, in this time. So thank you very much. I appreciate that, Alex. Thank you. That is Ollie Williams, and he is still covering the news. It's cabin news. And so when we say local news matters, this is why. Local news and local stories are what we talk about across the nation, and this is clearly, uh, I think, a learning lesson on this.